0: The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some Bengals headlines. We're going to talk about the game versus the Rams, and we're also going to do roster analysis, my predictions for the final 53-man roster. What's up guys, this is Evan McPherson and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. All right, three preseason games are in the books, no major injuries to report, the 53 man roster is coming this week and it won't be long now until we have Joe Burrow and company on a weekly basis for months and months. All right, so before we talk about the last preseason game and the 53-man roster, let's go over some headlines real quick. The first headline is really these joint practices versus preseason games. And it seems like everyone in the NFL is saying they get more value out of the joint practices. And if you look at a stat that I read, Joe Burrow had 60 snaps in these joint practices. If you go back to Andy Dalton's days where there were three, four preseason games that he played in, he only had like 46 snaps that one year. So if you look at it, Burrow got a lot more work in a controlled environment, safer. They could practice situationally against another team and not expose players to too much injury. So I think this is the way to go. I think these joint practices are the future of the NFL. And I'm really hoping that they get that 18th regular season game and they go to 18 regulars and two preseasons and a few joint practices. That would be ideal. You know, I know the players don't want to do it because it's an extra game, an extra taxation on your body. But the positives are it's great for the fan base and it's actually good for revenue. So we'll see how the NFL goes in the future. But you can see that these joint practices are slowly going to start replacing the preseason games. And I guess the big takeaway from the joint practices was the Aaron Donald fight. And that it's so unnecessary. These guys have to learn. I know the, the old cliche is you're tired of hitting your own guys at practice and you get all amped up to play the other team. But there's just too many fights at these things. And in this case, you had Aaron Donald going absolutely crazy. And I think as a superstar in this league, he has an obligation to present himself in a certain way. And you know, taking helmets and slinging helmets around is is crazy, dangerous. I just don't know where that where that comes from. I know he's got an incredible fire on the field. He seems fairly likable off the field, but just to get that angry in a joint practice to be doing something that dangerous. It's beyond me. He, he snapped. He lost his head for a minute. I mean, very disturbing behavior. And, you know, I, I equate it to this. If you look at Aaron Donald, he really is one of the strongest men in the NFL. And an example in my life, there was a martial arts instructor that I knew for a long time. And he was a black belt, knew all the moves, could take a gun away from people, was a knife expert, a, a bat expert. Just any anything weapon or self-defense, this guy was a master at, and yet he's telling me that he's got like five or six knives in his car in, in random places, and I'm like, out of all the people, you don't need a knife if you have that much skill. Same thing in the parallel to Aaron Donald. You don't need to be slinging your helmet around when you're pretty much the strongest guy in the field anyways. In other news, we saw Joe Burrow in a Kroger's commercial, which was cool. It was funny to see him in a different light. And, you know, a slightly humorous tone to it. Talking about eating healthy, so all good stuff there. But honestly, I wish he just would have held back and not done the local commercial. And just been like, no, I'm not doing anything until the big guns want me. And, you know, doing, like, national commercials for big-time money. I'm sure the Kroger commercial was a decent amount of pay. But the fact that he hasn't done anything really up to this point, except maybe, like, a car dealership thing. I would have liked him to save it for something big and just been on a huge national commercial. Preseason week three, Cincinnati Bengals, 16, Los Angeles Rams, seven. All right, so the Bengals win 16-7. It was nice to get a preseason win. It's This is a game that's probably the toughest to watch out of all of them, unless you're a crazy diehard fan, like I know a lot of you are and like I am. I mean, I was enjoying every second of it, but you start seeing a lot of guys that aren't going to be on the final roster. There wasn't a starter getting near the field, except I guess they had Trey Flowers in there which I wouldn't have even done, but I know they were a little light at corner. So I'm not going to go over this game in too much detail. I watched it once. I wasn't going to watch it again and do all this huge analysis on every position group because we've done that already for the first two games, and this game was more of a formality than anything else. You know, I know the guys on the bottom of the roster are really fighting. We'll talk about them when we do the roster analysis in just a few. But as far as takeaways from this game, special teams wise, you had McPherson bailing out the second team offense like he's been doing all preseason. And in this case, he outscored the whole Rams team. He had 10 points himself. The Rams had seven. And then the other special teams takeaway, aside from that nice return by Trent Taylor, 31-yard punt return, excellent. But the main thing was Huber versus Chrisman. And in my opinion, it's looking like Huber's going to win the job. Hopefully they can find a way to keep Chrisman around. But it's looking like Huber has the edge, even though Crispin has the leg. You know, sometimes it's that veteran savvy, being able to force more touchbacks, being able to pin the ball inside the 10-yard line, things like that, as opposed to just the young leg that can kick it to the moon. But there is going to be a spot for Crispin in the future. I just think that Huber has won the job. And another thing that was really classy of Huber, and, you know, you've seen examples of Roethlisberger and Tannehill not wanting to mentor their teammates. But I saw Huber have a really big smile and a handshake with Chrisman after he came off the field on one of his punts. So, I mean, that's good. These guys are fighting. It's a roster spot. They know one of them's making it, one of them's not. And the fact that they're both so cool to each other is a testament to those individuals and a testament to the team and a testament to the coaching. All right, offensively, Brandon Allen showed that arm again. I, I I feel like I've underestimated his arm strength in the past. I'm not sure. But there were two throws in particular. He had the one throw to Morgan, which was almost Joe Burrow-esque. He did a play-action fake. I was shocked that he had enough time to get it off, and he just slings the ball. It went around 40 yards in the air to Morgan in traffic. It was just a really nice NFL quarterback throw. Glad to see that out of Brandon Allen And if he's ever pressed into duty, this is the Brandon Allen that you want to see, right? You want to see Brandon from that Texans game a couple years back, and you want to see him make throws like he just did because that was a big league throw. And then later in the game, he had a 36-yarder to Pryor on a deep route, which was another dime. So he showed arm strength on two great plays. He did the same thing last week on three or four different plays. Keep it up, Brandon. Hopefully we don't need you this year. If we do, this is how you need to play. And Jake Browning was poised and tough, and he had that nice out route to rig for the touchdown, doing everything he possibly can to stay in the building, and I think he's going to. I think they're going to keep him on the practice squad, unless someone from another team frees up that they like better. But he's done what they asked in preseason, and it's been fun watching him. You know, he's a young guy, good mobility, throws on the run, and again, showing toughness and showing that he could belong in this league in some capacity. The wide receivers were lighting it up. None of these guys want to leave the building. Irwin with nine catches. I mean, he looked unstoppable out there. And it showed, you know, when you're a starting caliber player or a good first or second team player and you're playing against third and four stringers, you better be lighting them up. And that's exactly what he did. Hopefully that stands well for his roster bid because I really do like him as a player. Pryor had five catches, another great game out of him. And Lassiter continued to be productive too. So he had four catches. So you had nine, five, four catches out of those three guys. We're, we're loaded at wide receiver. I know there's a lot of talk about getting a fourth wide receiver. I told you, I feel that that's on the roster already, and it's deep. You know, you have, you're basically nine deep at wide receiver right now with guys that could all play in this league. Travion Williams looked good in the running game and receiving the ball out of the backfield. You know, he, he deserves a spot somewhere in the NFL. I You know, it's a shame that he's just been on the practice squad because of the guys in front of him. But he is a guy that can be productive in this league, and I hope we're able to keep him in the building as well. Then offensive line, Carmen had the hold, and he had a sack let up. And Deontay Smith had yet another holding, although I didn't think that Smith played that badly. The defense showed great effort, got turnovers from top to bottom. I thought they were playing well throughout Tyson Anderson had the game that we were waiting for out of him. He had the tackle for a loss. He had a special teams tackle, was showing good closing speed. So I think he struggled a little bit in the first two games, and this game was a little bit more of a breakout for him. So a young player. I mean, he's played three preseason NFL games, and this was a step in the right direction and a good effort out of him, and I was hoping for that. They did trade up to get him in the draft. He's tough as nails. He runs that 4-3-8. So this is someone that you want to see perform well enough to stay on the roster. And Trayvon Henderson, it's another one. Like, Travion Williams, Trayvon Henderson, they just don't deserve to be cut in any capacity. you got to put him on the practice squad, that's fine. But Trayvon is just like, whenever you need him, whenever he's called on, he does things in a game. Like, this game, he was lighting it up, again, against the third and fourth teamers, but he showed that he's a cut above that and deserves to find a place somewhere on the squad as well. Gunter continue to be very productive Carter had the the strip sack. So both of those guys had an excellent preseason. And welcome to the defensive line rotation. (laughs) Roster analysis. All right, so my favorite thing to do in life is to watch a Cincinnati Bengal game. And then the other things that come along with it that I get excited for, I love answering the Hobson's Choice questions, questions that people submit to Bengals.com. I love analyzing the Bengals drafts and how that impacts the roster. But really, my favorite thing to do outside of watching the games is to predict the 53-man roster. It's just so exciting for me. I follow the roster more than most people. And this is like, you know, you have people that are like the draft gurus and that's the part that they love and they're experts on it. Well, this is kind of my specialty. This is my favorite thing to do, my favorite part of the season until the games actually start. So what I'd like to do is give you what I would do if I was the Bengals general manager. If I was Mr. Tobin, this is how I would want to address the roster. These aren't my official predictions because I know they might differ from me in some ways. They might There's guys that they might value more than I'm valuing. They see these guys every day. Obviously, they know better than me. And I don't want to play this prediction game of guessing, oh, am I right or am I wrong? No, that's not what it's about. This is about what I would do and the 53 guys that I would keep and the practice squad that I would build if I was in charge of the Bengals. Hey, you never know, maybe someday, right? Okay, quarterback, obviously, it's Joe Burrow, Brandon Allen, and Browning's going to go to the practice squad. If another team releases a quarterback that they like better than Browning, they could make a move there as well. But I think you have, obviously, your number one all-world, and Brandon Allen will be the number two. Running back, it's pretty easy here. Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, Chris Evans. Those are the front runners for the job. And you'd want to try to sneak Jacquez Patrick and Travion Williams onto the practice squad. That would be the goal. Because of the offensive line, you can't really go four running backs here. You probably just still have to go three and try to save the other two guys. And both of those guys are going to be coveted by other teams. So hopefully we can sneak them onto the practice squad. But you have Mixon, P. Ryan, Evans. Now, wide receiver, this is the big one, and this is where it's more what I would do rather than my prediction. So, obviously, you have Chase, Higgins, Boyd. Mike Thomas is your four. Trent Taylor is your five punt returner, also. Stanley Morgan is your special teams maven, so he's going to be the sixth wide receiver. And now you have that seventh spot. Honestly, I would give it to Trenton Irwin. He's a veteran. Every time he's in there, he does good things. And I know that Kendrick Pryor had a great preseason. He's got top-notch speed, and he showed great hands. It's it's going to be him or Irwin on the practice squad, but I think you might have a better chance getting Pryor on the practice squad than Irwin at this point. It's a toss-up. I want to see them both remain in the building, obviously. But if I had to vote for one, I would just say have Trent Irwin in there, and Pryor's the next man up. And Lasseter's going to find himself on the practice squad as well. Yeah, he wasn't able to return punts like we thought, but he is a decent receiver, and he had a lot of production in these preseason games. And the one drop that he had on the punt here was kind of the end of that experiment, but still a wide receiver that is worth keeping around, and he will also be on the practice squad in my world as GM. All right, so tight end, I would do this. Hayden Hurst is your one. Drew Sample, I believe, is going to be healthy for week one, so he's going to be your number two. And now, Wilcox is probably going to be your three, but he has that ankle problem, so I would put him on the PUP list. I would get him off the roster for those six weeks and let one of the other tight ends that's healthier join the roster. And you're thinking Thad Moss might be the guy because of his pass-catching ability, but I think if you're going to have someone like Wilcox off the roster, you want another blocking tight end. So I think that Justin Rigg is going to have a shot at being the three, and that's who I would choose at this point. It's really, again, it's it's like Irwin and Pryor. It's like Rig and Moss. What do you want? You want the receiver? And I'm just feeling at this point there's not enough action to go around for all these receivers and Hayden Hurst and all your running backs. There's not that many available targets to your second or third tight end. So in that case, just have the best blocking tight end that you could possibly have, and I think Rig has that over Moss. So I say... Again, Hurst, Sample, Rig, Wilcox to the pup list, and Moss to the practice squad, if you can sneak them on there. All right, now on to offensive line. The way I would handle this is you want your starting offensive line, right? Two tackles, two guards, and a center. And then behind them, I would do the same thing. Two tackles, two guards, and a center. So you have a full complement of your starting five and a backup for every position. And obviously, our starting line is going to be Jonah... Volson has won the job And I'm rooting for you man Come on we're going to need you this year It's going to be a lot You're one of the few rookies that's able to crack this starting lineup It's going to be a lot of pressure You're going to be facing a crazy Steelers defense in week one It's your time man Put it in Put in the effort Put in everything that you can to be ready And you'll be rewarded with a good career If you can do it here with this offensive line And those skill position players Ted Karras is going to be our center Kappa at right guard Lyle Collins at right tackle so those are obviously your starting five now behind him it's a little bit of a question mark a lot of these guys didn't play well in preseason but some of them you still want to keep around the building I'm going to go with this for the two backup guards I'm going to go Jackson Carmen and Lamont Galliard your backup center is going to be Trey Hill and then your backup tackles Deontay Smith all the holding penalties aside still played decently in the preseason so he has to be your your next tackle and then I go with Isaiah Prince as, as your 10th offensive lineman. And yeah, that means that the Akeem-Edenogy experiment is over. Maybe you get him on the practice squad. Desmond Noel, I'd like to see him on the practice squad after the way he played in Game 2 of the preseason. And then you're looking at probably Nate Gilliam and Devin Cochran as two guys that are probably not going to make the team. So that's my predictions. I mean, they like Edenogy. You might see him in there and Galliard not in there. I don't know what they're going to do. But if I had my choice... Jonah, Volson, Karis Kappa, Collins. Carmen, Hill, Smith, Prince, Galliard. All right, on to the defense. So defensive line, there's so many good ones. It's hard to figure out who's going to make the roster or who you would keep. In this case, I'm going to go with 10 defensive linemen, 5 linebackers, 10 defensive backs. So you're almost tempted to say 11 DBs and 9 defensive linemen, but... When I looked at the list, it was just—it was really hard to narrow it down to 10 and 10, but I think that's what I would do if I were the GM. So defensive line, let's go with the defensive ends first, and you're going to have Hubbard, Hendrickson, and Osai as your third guy in there. Camp Sample backing them up, Jeffrey Gunter backing them up, and Khalid Kareem, assuming that he's healthy, I would have him as our sixth defensive end. Defensive tackle, you have DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Josh Tupo, and then Zach Carter in that rotation as your backup three. So typically they like to keep six defensive ends and four defensive tackles. That's kind of what I did here. But you have a couple guys that can swing, you know, like Cam Sample can swing inside. Khalid Kareem can do a little bit of that. Even Carter can go outside as needed. A couple of these guys have position versatility. Those are the 10 that I go with. And then that means that my practice squatters are Raymond Johnson the third, the way he's played in the preseason. Again, when when you don't draft a guy and he's not homegrown, you don't take to him as much, right? Like a lot of people would rather see Tyler Shelvin make the team as opposed to Raymond Johnson, because Raymond Johnson came from somewhere else. Shelvin was a fourth round pick that we really wanted. Two different positions, but I'm just saying at at that spot, Dominique Davis is a better example because I think he outplayed Tyler Shelvin. So I'm looking at Raymond Johnson the third and Dominique Davis as the two guys that make the practice squad. And I'm thinking, unfortunately, they let Noah Spence walk. He's a five-year veteran. He's a little more expensive than the other guys. And I think that's going to be a consideration, even though I thought he played very well in the preseason, and he could very well be on the practice squad. And in some capacity, maybe I would do that. But if right now I had to make these choices, it would be Spence, Shelvin, and Tariqus Tisdale leaving the building. Linebacker is pretty much the easiest one. You have Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Akeem Davis-Gaither as your starting three or your first three. Marcus Bailey is going to make the team for his special teams work and the fact that he filled in well when needed due to injury last year. And I think Clay Johnston is going to get that fifth linebacker position. And I know they like Joe Bocce, but you're probably looking at Bocce going to the PUP list while they sort things out. So I'm looking at that as being the five linebackers. And it leaves Keandre Jones as the odd man out there. And I think that he has a spot on the team with special teams. So it's really him or Johnston. But I would probably try to get Keandre on the practice squad and let Johnston stay on the active roster. And that means Tigray Scales and Clarence Hicks are probably going to be leaving the building as well. Then on to defensive back, we'll start with the corners. Awuzier, Apple, Hilton. Flowers, Jalen Davis. Those are your five. I think Cam Taylor-Britt goes to the PUP, so he's on there for six weeks, and it enables you to keep another defensive back in the meantime. And then at safety, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Dax Hill, Mike Thomas, and Tyson Anderson I think will be the five. Even though I thought Trayvon outplayed him in preseason, it's just that Tyson Anderson has a little bit of a higher ceiling due to his athleticism, due to the fact that they traded up in the draft. So I think that he probably will be the number five, and that's who I would choose at this point. And I think you can get Trayvon Henderson on the practice squad again. So he would go to the practice squad. And as far as corners, Alan George would go to the practice squad. George played well enough to make the active roster, but it's just loaded in front of him. And I think out of everyone, he's the guy that you could, as we say, sneak onto the practice squad without other teams stealing him. And then special teams, Evan McPherson, Kevin Huber, clark harris yes the veterans keep the rookies off the active roster and we go with the specialist that did so well for us last year and you don't want to do anything to mess with mcpherson because he's on top of the world right now so with that said i think it's kind of counterintuitive but i think that chrisman and adamitis are going to go on the practice squad because they don't want to lose these guys now that could change as needs happen at other positions and depth is an issue and and, you know, maybe they keep a Shelvin or a Spence on the practice squad and and don't keep an extra punter and an extra long snapper because it is a little wasteful. But that's just what I would do at this point in time. And that could change as the season starts and injuries happen. maybe you do say, hey, we can't keep a backup long snapper. But as of right now, that's what I would do. So there's also the cruel reality when you name the 53-man roster. There's guys that make it as that, like, 52 or 53rd guy or the 15th or 16th guy in the practice squad, and you know the old adage, they call home, Mom, I made the team, tell everyone, and then two days later, we pick up someone that someone else waved, and these guys get cut. I've seen it happen year after year. It's just, that's a horrible feeling, to really work this hard and be like, alright, I've arrived, I've made the NFL, and then at the last second, oh, you know we're going to switch you out for this guy. Hey, just stay available if we need you. But again, if you're that 53rd guy or that 15th, 16th guy on the practice squad, you're really just an injury away from being called back to the team. So you're never losing hope, but it's just a game where you can't count your chickens before they're hatched, unfortunately. All right, so we have our 53-man roster. We have our practice squad. We have our PUP list. We have the guys that are leaving the building. So as far as the practice squad goes, you're allowed to have 16 players. And the breakdown of that is you could have 10 guys that have less than 2 years accrued experience in the NFL that that's a little bit of a gray area what accrued NFL years are but there's 10 guys that can be 2 years or less and there's 6 guys that can be veterans with any kind of service these guys are making about 11 grand a week if you're a, a younger guy and if you're a veteran one of those 6 veterans you can make up to 20 grand a week so that's about the salary that these guys are looking at not NFL money where you're guaranteed basically half a million if you make the 53 But still, decent money. You know, better money than your average person makes doing their job. So that's the deal with the practice squad. I'm glad they expanded it to 16. It was so rough in the old days where you had a handful. And you're watching so many guys that you worked with just have to leave the building. And and starting in 2020, they changed those rules. And I think it's big for the game. So practice squad, we talked about the 15 players that are on that list. And basically, it's a quarterback, two running backs... Two wide receivers, a tight end, a guard, a tackle, a defensive end, a defensive tackle, a linebacker, a corner, a safety. You want to have at least one representative at every position group. So the way I filled out the bottom three spots, again, was Chrisman, Adamitis, and that 16th spot I'm keeping open. And that was from the Marvin Lewis years. He would never fill the last practice squad spot because he knew they were going to get someone from the waiver from another team. So that's what I did here. I have my 53. I have the 15 on the practice squad, and that 16th spot is going to be open for the next available player that another team parts with. The pup list, which means they can't play for the first six weeks of the season at least, is Brandon Wilson, Mitchell Wilcox, Cameron Taylor-Britt, and Joe Bocci. All of those guys should be healthy enough to play at some point in this season, and all of them do deserve a spot on the 53 as they get healthier and as the season goes. And then when cut down day arrives, you figure there's 27 guys that are going to get waived. And, you know, the thought is so many players are going to be leaving the building. But the reality is with the practice squad and the PUP and the way that NFL teams do things, you're only looking at maybe like 10 guys who aren't going to be with the team anymore after this week. And, I mean, that number could go up or down by a little bit. But basically, I have the 10 guys as this. So that list is Nate Gilliam. You know, they just brought him in from the Steelers. I thought he did well on the third preseason game. But there's too many guys ahead of him that have stacked up what they want to see. So I think he's going to be a casualty. Devin Cockwood, I think he's the odd man out at tackle. I just don't think he's done anything to supplant the guys ahead of him, even though some of the guys ahead of him have not played to expectations. Noah Spence, again, I think that's more because of the salary and being a fifth-year player. But if if they change things up on the practice squad, I think he would be the first guy that I would put back on the team because I think he can be productive. Tyler Shelvin, it happens. You know, it happened with Billings. It happens with some of these defensive tackles that you think you're going to get the next Geno Atkins in the fourth round. And I don't know. We all wanted him to work out with his size, an LSU guy, you know, the holding Burrow on the shoulder, all those little intangibles come in. But he was, wasn't able to get on the field his rookie year much, had an injury, did not look good this preseason. And what? why I'm putting him mostly on this list is I saw a lack of hustle at times. And who do you want? You want Shelvin or Dominique Davis? On paper, you want Shelvin. Or do you want Raymond Johnson III or Shelvin? On paper, you want Shelvin. But when you watch these games and the productivity and the hustle, I'll take those other two players over Tyler Shelvin. So I think that's a fourth-round experiment that just didn't go the way we wanted. Tariqis Tisdale is a nice story, too. Would have been good to see him on the practice squad, and that's a possibility. I think they, they have him ranked a little bit higher than I do but there's just too many people ahead of him in my book and someone's got to go. And again, I'll take Raymond Johnson III with that production and that hustle over the production that we saw out of Tisdale in the preseason. Again, if you see these guys every day at practice, you might have a different opinion, but that's what I'm going with for now. T. Gray Scales, I think it's just a numbers game at linebacker where he's not going to be in the building anymore. Same thing with Clarence Hicks, although he had a nice sack in the preseason. He might get a shot somewhere else because if you're a pass-rushing linebacker like that, there's always a spot for you. I just think that we're too deep at that position to keep him on the roster. Delonte Hood had his struggles in preseason. And again, a lot of guys in front of him. So he's probably another one that's going to be leaving the building. Javaris Davis was kind of a, a late addition at corner. Just to address the depth that we needed for our 80 man. They didn't really play him that much. And that's kind of an indication that you're not going to be around come September. He would probably be my ninth guy off the squad. And the 10th would be Nick Eubanks. Again, that goes to that veteran that didn't really do as much as you wanted to do and you have younger guys in front of him. So he would be the 10th guy that I would probably have as not being a Cincinnati Bengal anymore. So that's it. That's my choice for the 53. I know by the time this episode comes out, a couple days later, we're going to know what the Bengals did. Some of this may be obsolete, but I still think it's a valuable exercise and something that I love doing. So that's my Cincinnati Bengals roster. I'm sure it's not going to differ too much from what they do, but I'm excited to see it. I'll be looking all day. I've been looking. It's Sunday now. I've been watching Sunday. I'll be watching Monday. But I wanted to get this out first. Like I said, even if it's not totally accurate with what they do on Tuesday, it's fun to do and hopefully a good listen for you guys. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be the 100th episode of the unofficial Bengals podcast. We're going to have a bunch of special guests. We're going to do a preview of the Bengals-Steelers opening day game and a lot more. I'd like to thank Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.